Good morning. Um, again, my name is Ben Sinekar. I'm one of the assistant pastors here at Grace, and welcome to you, especially if you're visiting from out of town for Thanksgiving. Uh, welcome. Um, I have been given the task this morning of landing the James plane. Since the beginning of September, we have been going verse by verse through the book of James, and we've been asking this question, what does it look like to live an everyday faith in Jesus as Lord? How does having a faith that Jesus is, in fact, the Lord over my life, Lord over this church, Lord, indeed, over the entire world, how does this kind of faith express itself in our day-to-day lives? And maybe you've noticed, maybe you haven't, but our titles of our um, uh, sermons have all, most of them, begun with this phrase, everyday faith does this, or everyday faith believes that. And so some examples, everyday faith thinks well of God, It it acts justly on the basis of mercy, it speaks as it's been spoken to, each title corresponding with the main theme of the passage on that Sunday. Last week, everyday faith takes off its watch as we wait patiently on the Lord. And then this week, the title is Everyday Faith Involves Prayer. Prayer is foundational to a personal life, claiming Jesus as Lord, but also uh, 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 for the corporate life, the church-wide body that claims Jesus as Lord. Prayer is foundational. So this morning, we're going to be talking about prayer, but specifically talking about prayer uh, as it pertains to healing. And James, in our passage, stays true to the tone that he's used throughout the letter. He's very matter-of-fact. He's in your face. He's uncompromising. He just lays it out there. And we then have to, uh, those of us who are preaching on this, have to wrestle through uh, the application of it as you are invited to wrestle with what it is that James is saying. But it has been my prayer as I've gone through this, uh, preparing for this week, has been my prayer that this is going to be an encouragement to all of us to hear what it is that God has to say to us through James uh, as he's now concluding his letter. And in between the um, services, uh, it was interesting the comments that I was receiving from folks. And uh, a common one was, whoo, tough passage, right? Um, so, um, yeah, <laughs> it is. So keep that in mind as we now turn to this passage, James chapter 5, uh, verses 13 through 18. So if you could please, if willing and able, stand for the reading of God's word. We're concluding at verse 18, verses 19 and 20 were covered back in October. So uh, here now the reading of God's word from James 5. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently 
that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it didn't rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Let's pray. Father, we not just ask, but we declare our need for your spirit this morning to give us ears to not just hear what it is that you have to say, but also a heart to receive what it is that you have to say, and then also a heart to apply it. Um, We can do none of that on our own, so we ask for your spirit to be in us and among us, applying this individually, but also as your church. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. You can be seated. So, here we are at the end of James, and he is ending the letter in a similar way in which he began. By telling the people to pray. By telling us to pray, especially when you encounter hardships. Count it all joy. You might remember him saying at the very beginning of chapter 1, count it all joy when you encounter trials, because these trials, these tests of your faith produce steadfastness. Another, word, another way to understand that word is these, these trials, these tests produce fortitude within us, endurance within us, an unyielding sense of purpose within us so that we may be complete. And James goes on to say, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God in prayer and it'll be given. Also in chapter 1, paraphrasing here, but James says that when you ask for wisdom in faith, do so with no doubt. For the one who doubts is like a wave on the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. James speaks with such matter-of-factness. Are you lacking wisdom? Ask God and he will give it. But ask in faith without doubting. That's how we began the letter. Now here we are at the end of the letter, and maybe you can hear the parallel already. He's asking this question, is anyone suffering? Is anyone sick? Pray. Ask for healing. Call the elders, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. If this is what you're lacking, if this is what you're needing, be it wisdom or health, Ask God in faith, do not doubt, and it will be given. Wisdom will come, healing will come. Seems pretty straightforward, right? Almost to the point where it's kind of like, well, do I really need to go on with a sermon? Is anyone sick? Is anyone suffering? By the way, the word for suffering covers a whole range of issues. Is anyone suffering? Hands go way up. James says, pray. In faith, without doubt. And healing will come. But why do we need to talk a little bit more about this? Why can I not end the sermon right now? Is anyone sick? Pray. Have a great Sunday. Can't do that. Because... While it's true, and I heard stories again in between services, I've heard stories, amazing stories, stories of healing, miraculous healing that cannot be explained any other way than that the hand of God was on this person healing them for the sake of the church, building up the church, witnessing these stories of healing. 
It happens. But there are also many of us who have prayed for healing, healing for ourselves, like James says in verse 13. Pray for yourself if you are suffering. But then he goes on to verse 14 to say, well, also go to others. Call the elders in to pray for others within the body who is sick. We've done that. And what? Hasn't always come. Healing hasn't always come. Perhaps they've even gotten worse. Perhaps they've even passed away. Or maybe they did get better for a season only to get sick again. So when James says in verse 15 that the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, that the Lord will raise him up, probably responding to that in a variety of ways. I would say that every one of us in here can relate in some sense to having a physical, personally, a physical sickness, an illness, or someone very close to us in which we are praying for healing and it hasn't come. This is something we can relate to. And so when James is saying that God will heal, God will raise him up, And then that doesn't happen. That causes us to respond in a variety of ways. Maybe we respond with skepticism, with doubt, sort of a, yeah, right. God didn't do it last time. Why should I pray this time? Maybe even anger, accusation against God. God, you said that if we prayed in faith, you would heal. We kept our end of the bargain, but you just let this person die. You just let this person get worse. That's unfair. That might be our response. So we have to then lean into this. James 5, verse 15. What, what, what is he saying? What is it for God to, to uh, uh, speak to us uh, this morning about this? We need to talk about this passage. This past August, I got a text from someone within this church who had a relative visiting, visiting from out of town. Uh, she was visiting um, in town. She was getting uh, immunotherapy treatment for advanced an advanced stage of cancer that she had, and she was at one of the area hospitals. And so I got this message uh, from this person um, um, referencing James 5, verse 14. Uh, so myself and, and about five or six of your elders went to visit this young woman. She was in her late 20s. Um, we prayed over her. We anointed her head with oil. We prayed in faith for complete healing, just as James says in this passage. And then, within a matter of weeks, this young woman passed away. And I remember exactly where I was when I got the message that she had passed. We can relate to the story, I would imagine. And if you haven't yet experienced something like this, chances are you will. What are we to do with this. Some have suggested that when we read James 5, these, these final verses, some have, have suggested that we're not really supposed to take this literally. That James is just talking spiritually. This is a metaphor for our spiritual condition that we need healing spiritually. When he talks about being raised up, that's in reference to a resurrection, a future resurrection. It would be easier to go there Um, but I really don't think James is talking spiritually. I really think he is talking about physical healing. And here's why I, I believe this. 
In the previous passage, the passage that immediately precedes ours, James, and Patrick preached on this last week, James talks about Christians having patience and suffering. And every indication in that passage, every indication is that he was talking about physical healing and not just spiritual. Plus, James mentions Job. And if you know the story of Job, he encountered all kinds of physical suffering. So it then just makes sense for James to now move into this portion of his letter when he says, So when suffering comes, physical suffering, have patience. But also, like we're seeing now in our passage, have patience, but also pray for healing. So that's one reason why I really believe James is is being specific about physical healing here. The second reason I believe that is because in three other places in the letter, chapter 1, verse 21, chapter 2, verse 14, chapter 4, verse 12, James explicitly mentions the need for our souls to be saved. So he goes there. We need spiritual healing, and one day we will get there. The healer, Jesus, will complete his healing of us. We look ahead to that. But I don't think here at the end of chapter 5 where, is where James is going strictly spiritually. I really think he's talking about us uh, to go and cry out to the Lord, asking for, praying for physical healing. The question remains, though, about what we're to do with this passage in which we read that if we pray in faith, God will heal. And yet, so many times we don't see healing. The key, then, for us comes in verse 14. So let's look at verse 14. James again says, he asks this question, Is anyone among you sick? And there's sort of this assumed hand-raising James responds by saying, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The elders are called not because they have any special powers, not because they have any special uh, secret insight, but because they are the shepherds of the church, pointing the church to the healer. They tend to the spiritual and the physical needs of of the church, the elders are called, they come and they pray as representatives of the larger church. So in a sense, it's as if the entire church is rallying around that sick person when the elders are there. May we do more of that as a church. They anoint with oil. This might weird you out a little bit, I get it. They anoint with oil, not because the oil has any magical powers in it. It's not a potion. But, biblically, anointing someone with oil carried with it a special significance of setting someone apart for a specific purpose. In this case, special attention for prayer and healing. It's setting someone apart to pray for them, to lift them up. The elders come. They anoint with oil, praying over the person. And here it is, praying for this person in the name of the Lord. And this is what we need to focus in on. I don't want to presume to know your personal prayer life, but I would venture the guess that many of you 
and myself included, we conclude most of our prayers in this common refrain, this phrase, in Jesus' name, amen. I just did it a couple minutes ago. In Jesus' name, amen. What does this mean? When James says that the elders are to pray over a sick person in the name of the Lord, what does this mean? For starters, it's not, it doesn't mean uh, this, or it, it, it means more than just uh, this Christianese, obligatory, spiritual ending to a prayer. Like, this is what you're supposed to do as a Christian. You're supposed to end your prayer in Jesus' name. It's far more than that. Uh, I started reading this week, um, in preparation of this message, uh, a book by Brian Chappell. I suggest I would suggest it to anyone, recommend it to anyone. Brian Chapel, a book called Praying Backwards. Christmas idea, if you're thinking about Praying Backwards. And his, the whole point of his book is to suggest or offer this question, what if we began our prayers like so many of us end them? In other words, begin your prayer with that phrase, in Jesus' name. And then pray. It, it sets the whole context of the prayer. And Chapel goes on to say that when you pray in Jesus' name or in the name of the Lord, what you're actually saying is this. In his honor and for his purposes, I ask these things. In his honor and for his purposes, I ask these things. And then begin your prayer. Can you see how that would change the context of how you pray? I usually just launch into a prayer, asking, and then at the end, sort of to kind of garnish it, in Jesus' name, amen. What if we begin with that? You might, by the way, notice that in a similar way, this is how Patrick both begins and ends his sermons. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Framing everything that is said, everything that is prayed within this context, this framework of Jesus' honor and his purposes. To pray in the name of the Lord means to take into account his will. Only those requests offered in that will are granted. Jesus says in John 14, You may ask me for anything. In my name, and I will do it. Prayer for healing offered in the confidence that God will answer that prayer does bring healing, but only when it is God's will according to his purposes to heal. In just a little bit, as a response to uh, this study on James 5, we as a body are going to respond with reciting the Lord's Prayer together, praying the Lord's Prayer together. And we will say this phrase, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And this is what we're saying, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done here on earth in my life as it is being accomplished in heaven. And when we pray, it is good to confess, as James says in verse 16, uh, to confess our sins, to examine our spiritual lives, to see if anything is amiss, to proclaim again our need of Jesus as our Savior, but also to confess him as king. 
confess Jesus as Lord over our lives. And this then includes acknowledging that his ways, his thoughts, as Isaiah writes in chapter 55, Isaiah 55, God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. His thoughts and ways are above ours. They are other than what we can comprehend. My wife and I enjoy watching the show Madam Secretary. Judge me. Fine. (laughs) Madam Secretary. If you don't know the show, that's fine. Uh, But it follows the Secretary of State as she travels around the world putting out one fire after another. Hostage situations, arms deals, trade agreements, all in 42 minutes. It's amazing. Um, All these diplomatic... Uh, it's, it's just diplomatic insanity, but everything the secretary does, she does under the authority of the president. The president, and sometimes the president says no to some of her deals that she's working. Sometimes the president says no, not because he's against her, not because he's against the person or the deal, not because he's disinterested in what's going on. But sometimes he says no because he is using that situation to bring about a greater good and another situation. And I know that's a TV show. But I do believe that that does give us a little picture about what James is talking about when we pray in the name of the Lord. We pray for healing. We absolutely pray for healing. But we do so under the authority of of a sovereign God whose ways are higher than our own, whose thoughts are higher than our own. We pray for healing under a sovereign God who has promised to never leave us. Let that sink in. We pray for healing under a sovereign God who has promised he will never leave us. He will never, never abandon us. A sovereign God who abounds in steadfast, constant, persistent, overflowing love for you. A sovereign God who inspired Paul to write in Romans 8 that the sufferings of this present time are not even worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. We even pray under the authority of a sovereign God who did not spare his own son, but in fact turned his back on him as he died an unimaginably painful death. Why? Why did God let that death happen? Because he was working a greater good. That through the death of his son, Jesus, we can look forward to the expectant hope of a future glory that isn't even worth comparing with our present sufferings. One day we will be made whole. And because of Jesus, we can look forward to that expectantly. And I know it's easy for me to say, to stand up here and just say these things. I know that some of your sufferings are beyond anything I can relate to. I know that many of you are praying right now for healing 
for yourself, healing for others that just doesn't seem to come. But we must. We must submit to what the Scriptures teach. We must cling to the promises of Scripture that God is good, God is present, and God is ultimately in control. And I know hearing that in the midst of pain hurts. And there again, this is why people have been coming up to me in between the services. Yeah, it's a tough passage, right? Yeah, it's a tough passage. We cling to promises, and while we cling to the promises, we pray. We pray for healing. We pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if you could please, as a family, as a body, let's stand and pray together. This very specific prayer that Jesus taught, his disciples taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven.